this individual wanted Aiden to make contact uh, with his YPG, his former YPG contacts, so they could broker weapons to the YPG to be used against Turkey. American weapons, pennies on the dollar. You know, all that money, all the money that I get on Patreon and that people donate, like ever since uh, this conflict started, I've been taking all that money and I've been spending it on uh, 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 bringing humanitarian aid to people in uh, in like Mariupol and uh, things like that. So, you know, when when they spend my account, they're not hurting me. They're hurting like little kids and 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 the cancer hospital and stuff like that. So I, I can't imagine any of this. I mean, it's so difficult. And when you see what Severodonetsk looks like, um, it is what Mariupol was bad. Severodonetsk is a magnitude worse. It is just the entire place just gone. With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have John Dugan coming to the show. I've been wanting to interview him for a while. He has been on the front lines in Ukraine, and he's just amazing. He's the only Western journalist that has been actively doing this. People who've watched my show for a while know who John Dugan is. He is the whistleblower that has asylum in Russia because he was heavily persecuted when he was helping other whistleblowers. He's an ex-military. He was also a sheriff in Florida, and he just got caught up in the Epstein tapes. He got kept caught up in Seth Rich. He got caught up in whistleblowers with all over the world, and I covered a lot of that. We also worked together on a whistleblower with Barisma, who was going to expose all the corruption in Barisma. This was a couple years ago, and they found out. It's a long story. They found out, and she was sodomized and left for dead, and they went in and got her, brought her back to Russia, and she was in the hospital for about a week. It's a, it's a terrible story, and I've said it many times on this show. Now she's afraid to talk, but she was a high-level executive, accounting executive, financial executive at Burisma. She had all the information, but they went in, took all her files, it scared the heck out of her. But anyways, John was involved with that, and I was going to interview her. Her voice was disguised, her identity was disguised, but uh, GoFundMe figured out who she was through her, and it was supposed to be private. He did not want her name exposed, but she needed it to be able to get out of the country. Soon as they told GoFundMe who she was, they told whoever it was, whatever thug in the West that wanted that information, and they almost killed her and stole the, the data that she had. So <laughs> gives you a little bit of information about GoFundMe. It's why I don't use GoFundMe for raising money for our lawsuit. I'm use, using uh, Give, Send, Go. Regardless, 
I want to talk about this show. John Dugan is just amazing. And there's so many revelations in this show that is bombshells. This is this is something that should be mainstream news. This should be viral. It probably won't be. I mean, I don't expect that anymore because I'm censored so much. I mean, it's amazing. I'm doing as well as I am from an exposure standpoint. The show is one of the top 1% podcasts out there. And I'm so censored. So I'm surprised I'm doing that. It's because of you sharing this information and sharing my work. So I just appreciate it so much. And I want to talk about my sarahwestall.tv. I'm going to change that up. I'm going to try something because it's not really where I want it to be. And it's almost a waste of time. And so what I want to do is I want to charge a dollar a year because I have to charge something. If they make you charge something. And I want to charge a dollar a year and I want people to have almost free access on Roku and on Apple TV and all over the place. And I want to see if I can get more users. I might have to double it to $2 a year or $3 a year. I want to see what that is so I can cover most of the costs um, or not most of the costs, just enough. I don't care if I have to pay a little bit like I do for uh, my podcasting or for my storage space. I just don't want to pay so much that I can't, you know, it takes me out. So I have to make sure I bring in enough just to, to make it work. And then what I'm going to do is those who want to see exclusive content, which I don't do with that much of lately, I got to be honest, because I, I just think this information is so important. It's another reason why I'm doing this with SarahWestall.tv. Just think the information is so important. I don't want to make everything hidden behind paywalls. I want to make it accessible to everybody. And so what I'm going to do, though, is for my Ebonier members, those are the ones that are going to get the exclusives. Those are the ones that get the discounts on products. Those are the ones that get to see the free books and the free PDFs and any special stuff that I'm posting. So that's what Ebonier is going to be. It means truth in Java. And it's my equivalent of locals.com, except it's private. Nobody can cancel it. And it's a private little group that we have. I also wanted to say that if anybody has paid for an annual subscription to SirWestle.tv, get a hold of me and I will give you a free yearly subscription to Ebonier as an exchange because I, you know, going down to a dollar, it's not fair that if you've paid a yearly subscription. So I'm going to do my best and do good with you and give you a yearly subscription to Ebonier. So just contact me. So, but I want to try this out. I want to get this information out to the world. And you'll see when you listen to this John Dugan show, why this needs to get out there. I mean, he's the only you he's the only western journalist really covering like covering this. When we had wars in the past, we had journalists all over the front lines. When war is in the dark, imagine the evils that can be covered up and that's the problem. Everybody should want journalists on the front line at least relatively on the front line of war so we know what's going on. This is just crazy. And the only reason that they're covering this up is because they have something to hide. If they didn't have something to hide, they wouldn't be covering this up. It's just that basic. Everybody knows war is literally hell, but what you're going to hear today and what you're going to see more of is, is some stuff that's pretty shocking, and I think it needs to get out there. But before we get into that, I want to talk about Govi. I am not getting much feedback from people yet who bought Govi, or I'm not getting any really from people who bought Govi who are my listeners, but some people that I have worked with 
are starting to get some feedback. So I'm going to show you what I've seen so far. I'm just really excited to get feedback from my users. I have one here from an Adam Ringham. He, he says that he went from 19.6 miles per gallon to 27.6 miles per gallon. That is absolutely amazing. Now, remember, it's after two tablets. You have to use multiple tablets before you really start seeing what your true benefits are going to get. And then I have another one from Darla Benson. She said that she's in the UK and they started using their Govi tablets and on their second tank this is after that once again, they should use it a couple times. And her husband's all excited and texted her and said it's using 40 liters less per trip, which is equivalent of $80. And she's excited because it's just the start of savings. And these are literally feedback from today. I'm really excited to hear about it. I, I want to know whether this is common, whether it's some people, all people, most people, what? Because I don't know. I do know that some people are seeing amazing savings. I want to see if it's everybody or if it's most people or what. But if you are interested in trying this out for yourself, go to govi, G-O-V-V-I dot com slash go slash help me save. And if you want to promote this to other people and really help them as well save money, then sign up to promote as well. And it's just a win-win in all directions. I'm assuming it is. I'm still going to get feedback from my listeners. But at this point, all I'm hearing is positive indications. But please give me that feedback. You can go to my website and fill out the content uh, form and get to me or reply my newsletter. You can get me that way as well. So anyways, let's get into this really important conversation that I'm having with John Dugan out in well, I got to tell you, he just got back from Ukraine. He's so tired here. And the other thing I want to tell you, he has Tourette's syndrome. That's why he's blinking his eyes all the time. So if you see anybody in the comments giving him crap for blinking his eyes, can you please just politely tell them that this man should be is a hero and he has Tourette's syndrome and leave him alone and that he's somebody that we should admire and he should not be criticized because he's blinking his eyes because he has a disability. So please know that. Okay, let's get into this amazing conversation with John Dugan. Hi, John. I've been wanting to do this uh, interview for a while, so I'm so glad I captured you. Yeah, well, you're the only one that seems to be able to capture me. Well, you, I've been following you here saying you got to do this interview but you just got back from Ukraine, right? Yep. Like literally, I, I caught you in the car. Trip. Yeah, yeah. It's my. I just got back from my seventh trip. Oh my gosh! And you're the only Western journalist that has been going there and seeing what's actually going on. Now, are they uh, supportive of you being there? Are they happy as can be that they're you're there, or do they? I mean, are they giving you full access, or are they kind of guarding? Well. <sighs> So whenever you do these, um, whenever you do like the press tours, they send you with like the military and like they don't let you walk certain places because there could be like landmines there and well, other could stuff. could be dangerous. So, right. Yeah, I mean, that's but, different. But other than that, you know, if if you ask them, like once I ask them how to word something and they're like, well, we can't tell you because we can't tell you what to write. Figure it out yourself because – I didn't know. I didn't know what uh, it was. Some about Azovstal, 
and and I didn't know what one like the proper terminology from one of the buildings uh, was called. So you know they're very good about that. They they are they are not telling you what to write. They are not uh, trying oh, to interfere good. at all. That, no, they that's just, that's really good actually. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And um, and actually, it was interesting. Um, they had uh, they had a couple of Germans from. Um, like the German main channel, who's very anti uh, anti Russia. Okay. There. So it was um, it was interesting because uh, we we're like, wow. Well, why did they bother coming, right? And um, but what's strange about it is there's a new law in Germany that if you take a pro Russian position, right, and you go against the narrative that Germany's pushing, you can spend three years in prison. Oh wow! Yeah, well, we're not that far behind in that in that way. I mean, being honest, I know you lived here for most of your life, so you know how far the the United States has gone. But if somebody doesn't take the narrative of the, you know, the government, you are really persecuted. You're silenced. They take away your ability to make a living, or they do the best they can. And in your case, you were. I mean, you're a victim of that yourself. Yeah, did you see my latest uh, Aiden Aslan interview? No. So I didn't interview with Aiden Aslan. Okay, tell us who he is because I do know who I do, do know about it. But tell us who he is. All right. So Aiden Aslan is um, he was fighting on the side of the Ukrainians, and uh, you know he's a very interesting case because he's not he's deemed a mercenary, but in my personal opinion, I don't think he's a mercenary. I don't think he's technically a mercenary. What is he just uh, a is he just a regular Joe that went to Ukraine and fought with the Ukrainians? Well, he, kind of. I mean, he he was a a home he, he was a healthcare worker back in England. Okay. And then he left England to fight with the uh the YPG with the Kurds, okay? Okay. And um, after a few years, he went back to England. Now, when he got back to England, he was arrested. He was investigated. He was followed. He was interrogated. So uh, he said, you know what? I'm done with this. And um, he left. Now, the YPG, just so you know, they are actually funded by Western governments. They're funded by the United States. They're funded by England. So the fact that he went to fight there, them and they gave him all this crap about it, well, why? Because they're a bunch of terrorists, Yeah. right? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, these governments, they are funding the YPG, but if, if one person goes fights for the YPG, well, then they get all this problem. And they why do you think problems. that is? Because they want to control what you actually do. You can't just go and be a rogue fighter. You have to fight under our military. You can't just go fight. But there, there's corporations that go and fight all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure uh, why they did it. And I, I didn't really get into that because uh, what I was really interested in was why he was in Ukraine. Well, he was in Ukraine because of the persecution he faced when he got home. So he reached, researched places to live where – uh, he couldn't be touched by the United Kingdom, and Ukraine happened to be one of them. 
and he really wanted to start a new life, so he ended up joining the Ukrainian military in 2018. And um, this is what I think separates him from the rest of the people. He joined the military because he wanted his citizenship. He wanted to settle down. He wanted a new place to live. And I get that, you know. Yep. I'm in Russia now. I was persecuted back home. I had to leave. Uh, and, um, you know, if I was eligible to join the military here, I would have done it. So I, I get it. I, I completely get it. Uh, and then he got tossed into this war. And um, he got captured. And so now he's sitting in a prison as a mercenary status. So, so he contacted huh? He he contacted you. He he's a prisoner of war of the Russians that was con that was captured in Ukraine and he's a British citizen. Yeah. Yeah. And does I'll... British does Britain have anything to do with him or do they acting like they don't even he's like nothing? I think Great Britain, they just want to wash their hands with this guy. Now okay. yep. The thing is, he does not have a POW status. They have deemed him to be a mercenary. Okay. So he called me up. Uh, I happened to be in the shower at the time. This was like three weeks ago, I think. And um, I answered the phone. And I was like, hello. He's like, hi, uh, my name is Aiden Aslin. And uh, uh, I, I want to talk to you about my uh, situation. And I'm thinking to myself. You know, I got soap running down my face and stuff. I'm like, Aiden Aslan. I was like, it sounds familiar, but I can't remember who you are. Um, and he's like, oh, I'm the I'm the um, British guy that was captured in Ukraine and sentenced to death for being a mercenary. Was he sentenced was, to death? Yeah, he was sentenced to death. Okay. Jeez. I was okay. like, ah, yeah. So I, I I'm like, Give me two minutes. I'm in the shower. I jump out of the sh I, I rinse my face off. I jump out of the shower. I throw on a blue towel. And uh, I run out to my living room with the phone. And I turn my camera on. Uh, and I start recording an interview with him. Right? Yeah. And um, interesting guy. Very likable guy. You know, you talk to him. He's not the brightest. Uh, he's not the brightest tool in the shed. Um so I can kind of see why he joined uh, the military and he joined the infantry. I don't think the guy has much going for him. He's dyslexic, which, you know, another hurdle for him in life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, we talked and uh, I said, well, do me a favor, call me again in a week. Let's have another interview. Cause I want to kind of sit and process everything. You know, I just jumped out of the shower. And uh, so he did. And after the second interview, I said, you know what? I'm going to come see you. And he said, yeah, that would be great. And uh, I'm like, okay. So I uh, I did. I went to see him. Now, I loaded up uh, I loaded up 10 pairs of shirts, pants, socks, underwear, and shoes. And I brought them to the prisoners uh, that were that were captured, right? And um, b because Aiden's shoes, they were the sole had been ripped off and uh, the sole was being held together with um, like a, a torn shirt that he he ripped just to keep the sole on. And I was like, oh, dude. So I went and I got him all this stuff and uh, I was working on having his uh, death sentence appeal overturned because, I mean, I, I don't I don't believe it's warranted. 
it, he he's considered a mercenary, but isn't Britain a hundred percent on the side of Ukraine? And why, if he joined the military, isn't he now just a prisoner of war? And why would he get the death penalty? I mean, do all Ukrainians uh, military get the death penalty? I mean, I just asked you a whole bunch of stuff, but I asked you too many questions, but answer what you can. Yeah, yeah. So, no, they're good questions. And I'll tell you, um, you know, the Ukrainian, the, the, the Russian, the, not Russians, the Donetsk People's Republic, they feel that if you're a foreigner and you go to fight for Ukraine, you're, you're a mercenary. Okay. And that's just kind of their position. So he's actually, because they've deemed him a mercenary, he's not actually covered by POW uh, or like Geneva Convention uh, protocols. Oh, um, so no matter what, even if you um, went there for legit reasons, because if you, okay, makes sense. Because if you would have joined the Russian military without being a citizen, they could do the same thing to you. They could. And I think it's, I think it's not a very good precedent. All right. Um, but I mean, on the other hand, I understand their point. They want to deter people sure. uh, from going over and fighting. I mean, I, I completely get that. But I think Aiden's a special case. I, I think his is a unique case. He did not just say, you know what, I'm going to pack up and head over to Ukraine and, and fight for Ukraine because of uh, this war. He was already living there. He took a wife. Oh, and, so he uh, was married and stuff, too. Yeah, to a Ukrainian girl. Okay. So, um, so uh, yeah, so I went to interview him. And, well, I thought it was a very good interview until, uh, until a small clip of it made international news the other day. <laughs> what part of it made the international news? So I'm going to find that clip, but by the way, but go ahead. There's a part in the interview where um, I I said, look, and Aiden was happy because I I, I told him that I was working on getting his death penalty sentence thrown out and that I think it was going to happen. So he was happy in the interview. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. Why do you think you can get it thrown out? And I got it. We got to get back to what you're saying. But why do you think you can get it thrown out? Well, I, I've been talking to people uh, in in the Donetsk People's Republic, and um, you know, I, I've had some conversations about why it's not good to charge him. Okay, uh, so he's, and, you're trying to bring mercy to him. Okay, well, anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm actually advocating for him. Okay, but but this clip. Um, so let me give you the backstory. Um, I said to Aiden, I said, you know what? When the war's over and you get out, you need to write a book. And he says, well, I can't write because I have dyslexia. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, but, you know, everybody, all all my cellmates said that I should get, I should uh, become a singer. I was like, a singer? He's like, yeah. Every morning we wake up, we we sing the Russian national anthem. That's just what you do. Uh, And, and. And just so you know, it's not because he's a foreigner and they're making them sing the Russian national anthem. It's just that uh, mo- most of the people in that prison, they're from Russia or Donetsk Republic, so they sing the Russian national anthem. Okay. So, um, so he's like, yeah, every every morning uh, we wake up, we sing the Russian national anthem. 
And uh, he said, my cellmate said, oh, my God, you're such a good singer. And he's like, are you joking? And he's like, no, you're really a good singer. Um, and he said that everybody, like, they compliment him on the way he sings the Russian national, national anthem because he's got a very powerful voice. Yeah. And I say, well, oh, I want to hear. And he says, do you really? I was like, well, I mean, I don't want to push you. My subscribers <laughs> love it, but it's it's absolutely up to you. Um, uh, no pressure, though. No pressure. I mean, that's almost verbatim the conversation. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, sure. He's like, I'd love to sing it, blah, blah, blah. And he says, uh, he says, but when you sing the Russian national anthem, you, you got to stand. Uh, and I'm like, ah, okay. And I, I looked at uh, the guard that was in the room and uh, the guy who was offering my camera. I said, hey, guys, is it okay? And, and the guard said, yeah, yeah, sure. So he got up. He stood at attention like you would if you're in the military. And he sang the Russian national anthem. And yeah, he had a couple of missed notes, but he was actually pretty damn good. Yeah. And at the end of the at the end of the um uh at the end of the anthem, I said, Holy cow, I got goosebumps or something like that. Everybody in the cell block, you can't hear it on the audio, I don't think, but everybody in the cell block, they were like clapping. Yeah. And cheering. And the guards were like in the hallway, like clapping. And um, really, the guy felt like a million bucks, right? He felt yeah. like uh, he kind of found something that he's good at. Well, what happened is somebody cut the clip where I'm just standing next to him and he's standing at attention. Nationally. No. <laughs> so they, they took it out of context and there you go. Not only that, well, one article said... Uh, uh, a what, what what was the word a um, stocky not stocky um, well like a stocky Russian jailer forces Aiden Aslin or forces British prisoner Aiden Aslin to stand and sing oh. the Russian national anthem with a brutal looking club sitting on the table now. The brutal-looking club was actually a Steinhausen wireless microphone. <laughs> oh, jeez! And, and I'm not—I'm not a Russian dude. I'm not a jailer. Um, but they made it out to be like you were like forcing them, and you were like a terrorist forcing them to sing. Yeah. It. And then, oh, and then, and then the article changed to my name. And I got, dude, I got hate mail all over the place because I made him do this, right? <laughs> um, people like they, 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 uh, they tagged me on Patreon to say, "Hey, you know, you're paying this bastard one hundred ninety-two dollars to to uh, force this uh, guy in death row to sing the Russian national anthem." <laughs> like, oh, it was like what? It, yeah, so Patreon suspended me. Oh, Patreon uh, suspended you because of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, now, I'm familiar with Patreon and their games, but keep going. Yeah, yeah, but I I wrote Patreon. I said, you know what? I've been I've been bringing aid to the people in Donbass. 
Uh, I, I've been bringing medical supplies. This guy here who was singing, here's like the clip, the actual clip to put it into context. Like I've been advocating for this guy. I'm getting him off death row, all this other stuff. I was like, you know, this this is garbage. And, and it's kind of disgraceful that you guys would suspend my account. They They ended up reinstating it. Not that it was very much money, but, you know, it's under 200 bucks. But, you know, all that money, all the money that I get on Patreon and that people donate, like ever since uh, this conflict started, I've been taking all that money and I've been spending it on uh, 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 bringing humanitarian aid to people in uh, in like Mariupol and uh, things like that. So, you know, when when they spend my account, they're not hurting me they're hurting like little kids and and yeah and the cancer hospital and stuff like that so yeah oh that's too bad okay well <laughs> now why are all By the way, prisoners any of you want go to ahead donate, well yeah tell them your patreon trip. go ahead what what is your patreon account the patreon is bad wolf b-a-d-v-o-l-f but it's better if they just do paypal if they have it uh, and the PayPal is also bad. Wolf, I'll send you a link. And okay, I'll put it can... up right here, and yeah. so people can know. And, uh, yeah, and because um, I'm getting to a, another trip, and I'm going to go to uh, Severodonetsk. Man, that place is hit hard. Well, and I want to Mario... talk to. Yeah, I, I want to talk about this, but before we move on to that, I want to ask you about why are the prisoners. Are they all prisoners like him? And why are they singing the national anthem and so proud when they're prisoners in the Russian prison? Well, look, like I said, like I said, every morning, everybody in the prison, and it's it's actually n not a lot of foreigners. Uh, everybody in the prison has to wake up and and sing the national anthem. And if if you remember back when you were in in high er, when you were in school. Uh, like elementary school, yeah, every morning you'd stand and you say the Pledge of Allegiance. And if if you had like some immigrant come from like Mexico, they had to do it too. And it's just kind of the same thing. Okay, it, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not forcing. You know, oh these are these are foreign mercenaries. We're going to make them say the sing the anthem. It's not like that. That that makes sense actually. Yeah. Okay, so now. Where are you going in Ukraine? Because you did a, I, I aired it. You, I aired your documentary that also aired on uh, OAN. It was really good. But where have you been going in Ukraine and what are you seeing? Because there was some stuff, I know for a fact, there was some stuff that you saw that you didn't put into the documentary. I mean, you can't put everything in it, but there was some stuff like I asked you, why does it smell like death in the catacombs? And you said there were still soldier dead people in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, they are. But uh, you know, it's um, it. I debated whether I should include some of that or not, and just in the end, it just seemed like there's no need to make it uh, more sensational. Yeah, you know, no, that's fair. The video kind of speaks for itself. People understand that there's dead people there. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is what it's war. So yeah. what it's, it's, they just got hammered. Right. And my understanding is Russia's winning 
everybody knows Russia's winning. The Western media isn't being honest about it. And the, they're expecting the Ukrainian soldiers to fight to the last one, to just get completely... I mean, do the Russians know this, that they're just... This would be an awful situation. I mean, they're getting pressure from the West to keep fighting. God, you know what's worse? They've they've run out of guys to draft. Now they're drafting women to fight. So is there women on the front lines with guns shooting? Um, I don't know yet. I don't know. Um, this is just kind of a new development. Well, I don't think our, the Western uh, people give a crap. They want to put women on the front lines anyways. So they figure what the hell. You know, I mean, I'm just, you know, they're going to. It's, it's awful, though. Well, they're going to get slaughtered because if, if you're a trained so, female soldier, that's different. But if you're just taking random women who aren't up for it, that's going to be pretty freaking yeah, amazing. Bad. You know? Because that's most bad. women, athletic women, you know, because I coached girls in hockey, athletic women can handle it. But most women aren't like well, that. Well, you know, it's not the physical. It's I don't not, know. It's the mental. And, yeah, I know some women can. But, uh, I mean, look, just the difference between the sexes is women tend to be um, a little bit softer, a little bit more fragile in terms of, um, you know, they're, like, more romantic in this other stuff. Uh, I don't I- – know when it comes to hard crap that you have to deal with i think it's it's kind of a crapshoot but well i don't know if we're there's a difference between hard crap and then seeing people dying all around you yeah yeah i don't know i just think that that's horrifying for anyone i i don't think i don't think men can handle it either being totally honest no no and most of them can't yeah, so, I, I just and I don't think an average woman will take up a gun and just start freaking killing people. I, I just don't. I think there are some that will, <laughs> but I, yeah, I just sure, don't. Sure. In fact, uh, some of the best snipers in history uh, are from Russia and Ukraine uh, and are and are women. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but you, but they're trained. They're serious. It's what they want to do. I just think if you just take. I, I do also think that if you're, and this is proven, if you're, um, if it's about defending their homeland and their children, I think women would step up in a heartbeat yeah, and start shooting. That's a different yeah, situation. When you, when, you, when, you, when you bring children to the mix, absolutely. You bring like, children during, to the mix and they're, and you better get out of the freaking way. Yeah, you know, during uh, World War II, I don't know if you know this or not, but in Russia, when all the men were up front fighting, all the women were digging trenches for them. So if they had to fall back, uh, they had trenches to fall back into. Well, that makes sense because they're going to do whatever they can to help. They don't want their – could you imagine? I mean you don't want them to die. You're no. going to help wherever you can. I can't, I, I can't imagine any of this. I mean it's so difficult. And when you see what Severodonetsk looks like um, – it is. Boy, Mariupol was bad. Severodonetsk is a magnitude worse. It is just really entire place. It's just gone. And not just from bombs, but, you know, what the Ukrainian forces do is they go into these civilian buildings and they start shooting at the Russian troops, right? Mm-hmm. When they leave, they set the buildings on fire. So they just scorch so they- earth? 
They, yeah, yeah. The whole city is just scorched earth. The entire place. And what's the point of that? What is their their game plan? Or is I, there not really one? I mean, I honestly. Know. I don't know. I mean, maybe they don't want the Russians using it. I I, I don't know. But, you know, uh, part of the problem is they've been keeping these uh, they've been keeping these civilians uh, holding them hostage in their buildings. Right. Oh, the Ukrainians. Yeah. And if they try to evacuate, they shoot them. I mean, this this little girl, she was like uh, 14, I think. Uh, she told me that in her building, uh, the Ukrainians shot five people that tried to evacuate. Well, what do you do then? I mean, you, how do you get food? How do you eat? How do you... They just sit and they'll shoot any citizen that leaves their building? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If the Russians are coming, if you try to leave, they will shoot you. Because if the they... Russians are coming, but if the Russians aren't coming, they'll let you leave. No, no. So basically, they're just held hostage there, and are they being fed? They've got to have some food from somewhere. I don't know. I I don't know. You don't know. You're gonna go. Are you going there to find out what the deal is over there? Yeah. So I need to go and spend a little more time. I finally got all my proper credentials, where so I can drive myself in, and I'm gonna start doing some bigger interviews with people. Then you're gonna. Are you gonna do another documentary like you just did? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Well, now you had a cameraman with you and stuff. Is that accurate? No, no, I go myself. How are you filming? Because it looks like, I mean, it just looks so professional. You just have your camera on a tripod? Yeah, a lot of times. Or or um, there's like a, a, a translator that'll come with me sometimes, and I'll ask him to hold it, even though it's not really his job. But I'll be like, hey, can you, uh, can you hold this and translate? Oh, that makes sense. And, uh, I mean, why not? Yeah, so. That makes sense. So what did you, go ahead. Oh, and then another thing I do is usually I'll go with someone like um, uh, someone like Thomas Roper, who I just love. Um, Who's Thomas he, Roper? Tell people who Thomas Roper is. He's a German. And he's actually, he's not allowed, he and um, Alina Lip, if you've ever heard of her, um, they're both Germans. They're not allowed to go back to Germany because they'll get thrown in prison for three years. Because they for, covered it. They're the ones, because I, I know in your documentary, you said that you tried to get other Western journalists to cover it, and there were two, and now they're trying to seek asylum. Are those the two? Uh, no, no. Uh, there's two from the Netherlands also that, oh, that can't go back. Just yeah. for, and what did they do? They just covered it objectively? Absolutely. Absolutely. They just did their job. Because in, in the past... You could do journalism and not be persecuted. I mean, that was, they wanted that. I don't know what they wanted that, but that was the goal. Now, if you don't talk the, the line of the government, you're persecuted. Yeah. Jeez. And so these other countries are a lot worse than here in the sense that we can still do it. it might, they might take away our living and everything else, but you still can get by with it. If you're a whistleblower like you, you are a whistleblower. Whistleblowers are... Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I've had a lot of people around me die in the last couple of years, and it's very sad. And I know that it's because they're a whistleblower. So it's a very dangerous environment right now. But journalists can still do it if they're public. I mean, it's not quite so bad. 
I mean, it is, but you know, like OAN was able to air your your documentary. Yeah. Even though they're trying to shut them down and everything else. Most of the cable networks. Yeah, they're trying to shut them down. And that's my point. They try to shut you down and, and make it so you can't make a living, but they still could air it. And they, they're not leaving the country right now. That could change real quick, though. I see it moving in that direction. It's definitely going Gestapo, that's for sure. Yeah. And and now you think that in Russia, is it a lot better? I mean, can they do anything in Russia? Or if they don't speak the the line no. of the government? If you, if you go to some of these really liberal... Uh, um, uh, publications, yeah, they 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 take to the Ukrainian position. Some of them, well, absolutely. No. Okay, well then let me ask you. Um, that's so weird. The liberal versus conservative. I don't even know what that means anymore. But uh, you know, the fact that liberal was was wanted vaccines and the conservatives conservatives are against. I mean, all that stuff makes no sense. Liberal conservative, uh, but regardless, strange. yeah, it's just regardless, it, or it's just ridiculous. Okay, so I've seen clips out of Russia where people who were talking, supposedly talking the truth, were like like ambushed by soldiers and taken away, or ambushed by police. Is that all uh, fake media? Um, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I was watching some videos online talking about how the Russians were uh, shutting down free speech and shutting down any narrative that wasn't consistent with what they wanted to cover. And they were showing people on the street trying to get information out and filming stuff. And they had were ambushed by little po- by police thing. people. Thing. So protesting in Russia, okay, if you're blocking a sidewalk, if you're blocking a road, if you're blocking public access to a building, You're going to get your ass kicked, and you should. These people in America that are blocking the streets, uh, blocking people from going out about their normal every day, I'm sorry, but, you know, it should be absolutely legal just to run these people over. Okay, well, Uh, that's different than than just covering. So, okay, keep going. But I'm not sure. I mean, people were doing that? They were... Trying to block things and be... people try to block the roads here and all this stuff. Yeah, they get arrested, sure. But if they were just trying to cover, then then they're not going to get arrested. So that was that was fake news. It might be. I, I'm not sure what you're referring to, and I'd have to see the context of it. Okay. Yeah, I just remember seeing videos of people trying to talk about how they're not able to talk about what's going on here, and they were showing people. But I don't trust anything anymore. And so I was wondering if it's true. Yeah. I, but it's I not in your, not, I not what you. I people that, that speak against it. Um, and they have not had any problems. So I don't know. I, I don't know. So it's not what you've seen at this point. Uh, no, it's not okay. what I've seen. But, but that doesn't mean it doesn't happen just because I haven't sure. seen it doesn't happen well uh, and different things can happen in different parts of the country right yeah okay so what are you going to do next then i mean because and what is it that you want to show the world well i got i got deported out of donetsk 
um, because I didn't have a proper stamp on one of my documents. Real pain in the ass. So um, instead of taking two minutes to give me a stamp, right? And this is how you know I'm not like on Putin's payroll. <laughs> um, instead of spending two minutes, they told me I had to leave the border, get a stamp, and then I could come back in. I'm like, oh, good God, right? So I just I said, forget it. And I was supposed to interview the American journalist. Um, and uh, I, I what, just what American journalist? I, I'm sorry, the American POW, um, Drew Ecke. Okay, and do you you haven't interviewed him yet? Well, I interviewed him once on the phone. I want to talk uh, about that, by the way. Go keep going. And, uh, I was going to, so I interviewed uh, Aiden Aslin, and then I went to another prison, uh, and I was supposed to in, interview him, but then they looked at my documents and they said, oh, you got to leave. <laughs> and uh, So now you back. have it fixed. Yeah, now I have it fixed. <laughs> okay, so you're going to be, you're going to go back there and interview the American, now is he a POW or is he considered a... Um... Uh, he's considered a mercenary also. Okay, so because he, he wasn't with the U.S. government, he went there to fight on the side of the Ukrainians? Correct. Okay, well, why did he do it? Um, because he's an idiot. Okay, so he is an idiot. And yeah. well, everybody in this country, though, there with the propaganda about supporting Ukraine and standing with Ukraine was really strong here. I mean, I could see some of those people going there and wanting to fight for Ukraine. Well, that's is that sick. what he did? And and I I I've tried to explain this to um. To, to people here, you know, they're they're brainwashed by the Western media, who's telling them it's patriotic to go to Ukraine and fight. And, well, it's patriotic to support the Ukrainians with money and everything else. So why wouldn't someone think it's patriotic to go there and fight? Yes. Yeah. And and you know, Zelensky said, you know, we need people. Please help. Blah blah blah. Yeah. I mean, and and the American media is pushing this, so it's really. You know, the American media has a lot to answer for. They've, yes, they're they kind do. of responsible. They are responsible because the person's probably not that bright, but they probably did it because they were brainwashed into thinking that was the right thing to do. And so yeah. the Americans are probably saying, we don't have anything to do with them, but they're afraid to because then it's going to look like we have soldiers in there. Yeah. Well, yeah, and you know what? They're all changing their tune now, and it's not just because they've been captured, but now they're in a prison in the center of Donetsk, right? Yeah. And the Ukrainians have been bombing all around the city, and they're all like, Jesus, man, we hope that we don't get bombed because the Ukrainians, they're just arbitrarily bombing civilians. Just wherever also, that, they're seeing the truth. Yeah, wherever the shell happens to land, you know, and – now they're like, Jesus, you know, we're sleeping at night and we hear all this artillery coming down near us. And uh, Aiden even says that in the interview. He's like, we're like scared in here. Well, no kidding. That's what the people have been going through in the last eight years in the Dumbass. Just exactly what he's doing. Yeah, exactly. So what was the deal with this guy? You think he's an idiot? Is he going to get killed? Is he the same thing? I don't know. I 
I'm hoping. Look, I, I, I know they they need to make a point and they need to deter people from coming. But generally speaking, Russian people, they're incredibly kind. And I'm hoping that maybe last minute they'll give them a reprieve. Be like, you know, you made enough media for us. Uh, enough people have been scared. They're not going to come. You're, you're. We're gonna just make you a POW. We'll release you when the war's over. I, I, I I'm really hoping that this is what happens. No, oh, I do too. Um, but do you think that will happen, or you're just not sure? I'm not sure. Um, it might, it might because. Oh, excuse me. You know, um, as I said, Russian people generally are very kind, and they're not nearly as um what what's the word i'm looking for like spontaneously brainwashed like a lot of american people are and they are pretty good at being objective in the situation and i'm hoping that this is one of those situations well do you think they're less brainwashed because they went through hell I mean, the the Americans have, have, we're like children over here. We're growing up quickly here, but we've been pretty naive for years, the average public. And I think this yeah. is the first time that they've had such a major attack on our country and our way of life and everything. So, and the Russians though, they had how many people get slaughtered and killed and they had World War II and they had, they were living under communism. I mean, they had some brutal yeah. stuff they had to go through. So there, it's a lot harder, a right? People. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I said in World War II, they lost 24 and a half million people. Well, that's what I mean. They've gone through so much. And so they're just more, um, I don't know. They've Their culture has grown up. They, they're not, you can't yeah. do the same, can't play the same games with them as easily because they know better. Whereas here, we just yeah. don't know. Yeah. And that's oh, what happened. Way, speaking, Go ahead. You know, you, you hear about like uh, uh, 10% for the big guy, Joe, and all this other stuff. Yeah. How he's doing stuff with the Chinese. I'll tell you something interesting. Um, I'm almost thinking that the sanctions were a ploy to increase Chinese revenue. Because... It's taken so much money out of uh, the hands of Europeans and Americans, and it's pushed so much money to the Chinese. I mean, it Chinese have jumped uh, 400% since the conflict started. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's really hurt us. And Biden, Biden is the, the least liked president in U.S. history. His, his approval ratings are so low. I think they're a lot lower than uh, than what they're letting on. I think they're a lot lower. That's right. He's he's despised, universally yeah. despised. Okay, so this uh, you think that the the American's going to get out now? The U.S. hasn't said anything. I don't know. I don't know if he is. I'm hoping. Okay. I, I'm, I, I'm hoping. No, look, nobody needs to be put to death. That's right. right. And I and I say I was like you know what you're better than the other side. Um, 
Is he realizing? I, is he realizing what's he? You said he was. He's starting to learn. Has he regretted fighting for the Ukraine now? Uh, uh, the American guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he does. Well, of course, he got caught. <laughs> well, that and but legitimately regret it now that he under starting to understand. I think so. Yeah, I think when people really start examining the issues um that they they kind of get it and now i mean now they're living in the center of it right mm -hmm. and they're scared that they're gonna get bombed um so they're really living in the center of it and um i mean what can you do yeah that's now what kind of international attention did he bring are people talking about the fact that there's a u.s citizen there no i think it's been pretty quiet actually I mean, there is some news originally, but I haven't seen it a lot. Sorry. Oh, you're tired. That's because it's late at night there and you just got back. So what is your next plan? What is it that you want to do when you're there? And what is it that you want to share and try to cover for people to see? So, so my plan is this. In about a week, maybe a week and a half, I'm going to load the car with the much, as much humanitarian aid as I can buy. Uh, I'm going to drive it down. I'm going to start uh, making a lot more video of Severodonetsk and some of these other frontline areas. So uh, now I'm going to have the time to do it because I don't have to uh, rely on um, like going in with the ministry. I have my own credentials and I can just go and stay as I please. So I'm going to I'm going to live there for about a month and I'm just going to making these videos it'll it'll be a lot easier on me well and you got to stay safe because you're going to actually be in some war zones aren't you yeah of course yeah yeah but you were past military and you're not scared i suppose you still are right i mean because you can't be stupid well here's what it is right just because you're past military doesn't mean a bomb isn't going to kill you that's what uh, i mean because it doesn't matter what your past is a bomb will kill you Regardless. Uh, and as far as being scared, um, you know, you don't really think about it. I, I mean, you try not to think about it. Either you're going to get hit by a bomb and you're going to die, or you're not going to get hit by a bomb and you're going to live. Um, and that's <laughs> basically the... You just don't have summer. fear. Well, so what? what is your goal? What is it that you want to do? Well, I, I want to show everybody what's actually happening because they're not seeing the truth from the West. No, we aren't. And we we have no idea. I, I think for the sake of the Ukrainians as well, because they'll just keep pushing them to fight until they all die. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I, I mean, I, at what point is this? Why do they keep continuing? They didn't even try to negotiate. Why? Why? Because Zelensky is getting rich. That it's bad. not just him, though, right? I mean, there. What's happening with that fifty-eight billion that they shuffled through? Interestingly enough, during my interview with Aiden Aslan, he um, um, at the start of this, when they were getting like American weapons, he was uh, he was pulled aside by a member of the Ukrainian SBU, which is the Special Bureau of uh, Ukraine which is like the Ukrainian um, CIA or FBI. 
Yeah. And uh, this individual wanted Aiden to make contact uh, with his YPG, his former YPG contacts, so they could broker weapons to the YPG to be used against Turkey. American weapons, pennies on the dollar. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, that's what they're doing. They're selling it because they need money and they see it as a lucrative deal. And so yeah. it's going it's going everywhere, right? I mean Not that, but um a lot of these uh a lot of these Ukrainian soldiers, they're like just giving away AK forty sevens for narcotics. Oh. Why? Yeah, they got a big narcotics problem over there. They make more money on narcot narcotics or just because they're addicted? No, because they're addicted. Oh. Every single place, every single place that we've gone, we've seen uh like huge huge stashes of like methamphetamines and stuff like that jeez yeah wow. they used to give meth to soldiers in world war ii to keep them going all night to s and to be have them be more aggressive yeah well they're, they're doing that. i don't know if they're doing that here i'm just throwing that out no, i mean they're doing that when i say here i mean in ukraine you, you think they're doing that on purpose or do you think it's just part of their culture they're addicted to drugs no, no. I don't think it's part of their culture. Uh, oh. Do you think they're doing it to keep them going for the military purposes? Absolutely. Absolutely, oh, I do. That's what they're doing. My gosh. Because it worked in World War II. And people wouldn't fight to the last Ukrainian, I guess, unless they have are kind of drugged up. Yeah. Ah, oh, so that's what you think is happening. Yeah. you got to show that in your next video somehow and that might be hard to do but if you can show that that would be really insightful for people to see i wanted to uh do a couple more interviews because i wanted to ask about this topic and um i didn't have time to get to it when i interviewed aiden um but we had actually spoken uh uh about it before so, and who was who was giving them the drugs for them to get addicted at first? The Ukrainian government? So I don't know. I don't know. And this is what I need to find out. Okay, yeah. I tell me once you know, I wanna be able to come back and tell my listeners what yeah. you find out and I'm sure I'll air it too. You know, whatever you do. This is I mean it's, this is important. This is history making and your job is important because nobody I mean, being honest, no one else is doing it. It's so weird how you know, I always say I just shake my head at how easy it's dangerous, but easy to really be at the cutting edge of news these days because they're not doing it at all. If you have courage and integrity, you could be really good at this because they just aren't doing it. Now, I know it's dangerous and I know all these other things and it's not easy because there's a mental challenge and you have asylum and everything else. But you know what my point is? I mean, journalism, they're just not doing it. You're your thing flip there you go oh can you see me yeah uh, okay so i i wanted to uh i wanted to read something that's funny um give me a sec they were criticizing me on twitter who's and, they uh like just people from all over the world and some blue checkmark chick uh uh, uh named tiagram a reporter she said, I did five minutes of research. He doesn't seem to be a trained journalist, oh, right? Oh, for God's sake. So I wrote back, 
I wrote back, what exactly is a trained journalist, someone who goes to journalism school? You're right, I didn't. But I'm over here interviewing this guy, interviewing citizens affected by this war, and you are aware. That's exactly here. right. What are With you doing? Yeah. And then I wrote, so I guess my point is better to be an untrained journalist and getting what information I can than to be a trained journalist sitting on my couch and watching an untrained journalist get the info that I should be getting. That's exactly right. You just made my point. That was the whole point I was making. <laughs> you just made it a hell of a lot better than I did. That's well, exactly right. They, they Because you go to some prestigious journalism school, you're suddenly a journalist. No, it's doing the work and getting out there. It's uh, like becoming a, a skier, a champion skier, because you went to class. It's like, no, go out there, show us, do the work. Yeah. By the way, I apologize to your viewers. I feel my Tourette syndrome like kicking in a lot. I believe that's a lot. fine. You're They're tired. Probably ask why. They're, yeah. You're, you have Tourette's, right? And it's when, it, yeah, when you're tired. And when you're tired, it 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 it's harder. Yeah, tired, or if I have a drink, which I haven't yet, but I will. Um, then it <laughs> then it then it just kind of goes into overdrive, and I blink like uh, yeah, Morse code. No problem. I mean, if that's the worst thing you have, I don't think anybody cares. We're just very appreciative that you're doing what you're doing. Well, thank you, guys. Yeah. So. And somebody has to do it, and and it takes courage, and it takes a lot. And then you get you get ridiculed by those idiots on Twitter who thinks they're a journalist because they went to school. Oh, yeah, yeah. School. <laughs> that was such a great example. I love that. Jesus. That's perfect, yeah. though. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know it's late there. I know you just got back from Ukraine. You probably are just desperate to get that drink and go to sleep. So uh, I just once you know, we're, I'd love to have another interview when, and even if you're in Ukraine and you can do an interview from there, I'd do one too. So well, once just you get down there and, and with my proper documentation, it's gonna be a lot easier for me to do it. So yeah, we can certainly do it. Yeah, because even you were with the Russian military, it was kind of hard, right? I mean, it is kind of weird. Their pace, their schedule. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's really difficult. It, it's uh, it's not easy. Man, those guys are tough. Well, those yeah. Spetsnaz, I was running around with some Spetsnaz guys. They're tough dudes. And hell, I'm I'm going to be fifty soon. I'm going to be fifty in uh, December. I can't I can't be keeping up with those. 25-year-old Spetsnaz guys anymore. Well, was that... Are they just like Navy SEALs? I mean, you, you're with a bunch of <laughs> Navy SEALs. It's like you yeah. just feel like you're... I can. I would be so yeah. out of place. I'm 5'3", and... <laughs> like, oh, they'd feel like they're afraid to sit on me. Couldn't find me. Yeah. But anyways, okay. Well, thank you so much, John. And uh, I don't think people have so any much. idea how much you've done for this country and for the humanity, but maybe someday people will know. Yeah. Uh, it's not so important. Just, I know. Uh, that's not why you do it. Otherwise you wouldn't be yeah. doing it. If that's why you yeah, scared, just, you wouldn't uh, be doing uh, it. Okay. Well, you have a nice night and thanks. Well, good night.